to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Monday, you guys. I cannot believe that it's the week of the Wellness Realness Retreat. I feel like I was imagining this in my head for so long, and now it's finally here. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to get to meet some of you in person and spend a whole weekend with you. It's going to be amazing. If you couldn't make it to this year's retreat, you will be missed, but hopefully you can make it to the next one. I'm sure you'll get a little taste of what we're up to this weekend when I share it all on social media. Well, not all of it, but you know I like to give you a little a little sneak peek of what's happening. This month has flown by. Time is flying by. It's crazy. And it's also crazy to think about where I was a year ago. And today's guest, Kara Halderman, who many of you know, was my co-host on another podcast I used to host called Straight Up Paleo. It's been about a year since we stopped adding new episodes of that podcast, and that podcast was so much fun, but it kind of just, well, basically it came to a point where Kara and I both realized we really wanted to pursue things individually, and we were both at just kind of forks in the road with our businesses and our lives and wanted to pursue our own individual businesses. That podcast was so much fun, though, and I know both of us have really great memories, and I know a lot of you might have transferred over from Straight Up Paleo to this podcast, or maybe the whole time you're listening to both, but Straight Up Paleo was really more so nutrition-based in a lot of Q&A sessions, and obviously interviews with some awesome people. And Kara and I had a lot of fun and really getting to know our audience and answering your guys' questions. I will always love that podcast. Straight Up Pillow will always have a very dear place in my heart. But one of the topics that we covered quite a bit on that show and questions that got sent in were often around non-hormonal forms of birth control. On that show, we talked a lot about women's health in general, and this is a topic I cover a lot with my clients and on this podcast and on my blog. And I've written a lot on my blog about the side effects of hormonal birth control. And you know, I've had other experts on this show, including Dr. Jolene Brighton and Dr. Lara Brighton, who have all discussed what hormonal birth control can do to the body, as well as alternatives to that. I was personally on the pill for about four years before I really understood what it was doing to my body and how it was affecting my healing process and how I really didn't know where my hormones were at. My body probably wasn't really producing any of its own female sex hormones and just what it was doing to to my gut health, my gut flora, my gut microbiome, my mood, my energy, my libido. 
So when I realized what it what it was doing to my body, I decided to go off of it and then worked on healing my body and supporting it in the process. And I switched over to using the fertility awareness method to track my cycle and keep track of when I'm fertile, when I could get pregnant, and when I'm not fertile throughout the month. Fertility awareness method can be a little overwhelming for a lot of people at first. If you Check out the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which is something that I recommend all women read. It lays it out a bit for you, but the old school versions of fertility awareness method can just feel like a lot of work. And that's why I love that there's new technology now that makes it super easy. And that is why I love my Daisy. Daisy is an intelligent fertility tracker. And how it works is you stick the thermometer under your tongue every morning, first thing, right when you get up, but before you get out of bed, you take your temperature, and then if you're menstruating, you indicate that by holding and pressing the button on the monitor, or if you're not menstruating, you just don't press the button again, and Daisy will tell you if you are good to go in the sense of you're not going to get pregnant, if you should proceed cautiously, like there's a chance, or if it's a red zone. You could definitely you could definitely get pregnant if you have unprotected sex because there are really just there's a small window throughout the month where you could get pregnant. So as a woman, it's really helpful to know when that window is. If you do want to get pregnant, it's helpful to know like this is the time to have some sex and make a baby if that's what you want or if you do not want to get pregnant to make sure that during that time you either abstain from having sex or maybe use something like a condom as another form of protection. But I really think that all women should use a fertility tracker like Daisy because it gives you so much insight into your body. First of all, of course, knowing when you're fertile, when you're not throughout the month, but also just gives you insight into your hormonal fluctuations. You're taking your temperature every day and it syncs up with the Daisy app. So I can just look on my app and I can check my temperature and kind of see how things are moving throughout the month. And with that knowledge, I can adjust my exercise or my diet according to what would best support my hormones during that time. It also gives you a lot of data that you can use to dig deeper into your health. It can help you put together some pieces of thyroid issues, chronic stress, inflammation, fluid intolerances, all just by tracking your cycle. And if you're working with a practitioner, this information is also really helpful to share with them so you can really put together the pieces of your health puzzle and figure out what's going on with your body. And if you're not working with a practitioner, just as a woman, it's really helpful to know what's going on. Like for me, if I know I'm ovulating right now or I'm about to get my period, it makes more sense if I'm more inflamed, if I'm holding on to more water weight, maybe I'm breaking out or what I need to do to prevent that. So if you know when my cycle is coming, I usually adjust the nutrients I'm taking. I change my diet a little bit. I change my workouts just to support my body and make everything smooth sailing. So if you are interested in trying a Daisy fertility tracker, just go to usa.daisy.me and that's spelled U-S-A dot D-A-Y-S-Y dot M-E and you can use my discount code wellness for 10% off. That's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 10% off. And again, that website is usa.daisy.me. I cannot recommend this enough. It has made my life so much easier. It's part of my morning routine. I open my eyes, I take my temperature, and 
I'm done. I know what's going on with my body and I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I let the daisy do all of the tricky parts of tracking my cycle for me and I can just check my app. And I really, truly believe that investing in a fertility tracker like Daisy is one of the most important investments in your health you can make as a woman. And a lot of people ask me about birth control and what I use, and I track my cycle with the Daisy, so now you know. Like I said, these are some of the topics we used to cover on Straight Up Paleo often, and I'm so excited to have Kara on the podcast today. I really wanted to have an episode with her where we just kind of caught up because after we stopped straight at paleo, Kara kind of just like went off the grid for a bit, like for like eight months. She was off social media. I don't know that anyone knew what she was doing. She was living her life in Texas. And I know a lot of people had questions about what she was up to. Even I didn't know everything she was up to. And so I thought it would be fun to have her back on the show and chat a little bit about what she was doing, what she learned, just kind of catch up. So we're going to talk about learning to be a responsible adult and Instagram and social media and learning social skills and losing inflammation and dietary changes and carnivore diet and everything in between. If you did not listen to Straight Up Paleo and you're not familiar with Kara, Kara is also a nutritional therapy practitioner and she is an NLP master practitioner. She has quite an incredible health story that we dove into on a really early episode of this podcast, episode 64. You should go back and listen to that if you want to hear more about Kara's health story and since overcoming a lot of different health issues, including gut issues, thyroid issues, autoimmune-related issues, she now is focusing on helping other women gain confidence with their food, with their bodies, shifting their mindset about food and body image. And those are also some of the topics that she covered on our podcast together, Straight Up Paleo. And speaking of Straight Up Paleo, like I said, I love that podcast, and a lot of the episodes are kind of just going to shrivel away into the internet cloud at some point (laughs) because after the podcast ended, I said, okay, I'm going to keep paying to have them up for about a year. And then after that, we're going to have to take the podcast completely down and the website down. But what I've decided to do is sort of remaster some of the tracks. So in the upcoming months, I'm going to start posting old straight up paleo episodes onto this podcast because all of the content is still really great and we had so much incredible information on that show and I hate for it to just go away completely so I'm going to kind of do remastered versions of those episodes so you still have that information if you've already listened to those episodes it's probably going to be a good refresher I mean even for me I forgot about I forgot about most most of the episodes as I was re-listening to some things so it's a good refresher of information and if you never got a chance to listen to Straight Up Paleo you will be really excited about all the info that you learn. So stay tuned for that. I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to start doing that, but it will be in the next few months. I'll start posting some straight up paleo episodes onto this podcast. 
All right, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear this little chat with my friend Kara Halderman. Don't forget, you can find her on Instagram at Kara Halderman. You can go to karahalderman.com and find her content there, as well as check out her YouTube channel. If you just search Kara Halderman, you can find her YouTube vids there. So without further ado, here is my good friend, Kara Halderman. So it's been a hot second since you podcasted. I know. Was the last time? with me that you podcasted yeah that was it I just I stopped after that so might be a little rusty who knows we'll see (laughs) so tell us like what happened like you went (laughs) off the face of the earth (laughs) um I very much so did go off of the face of the earth and I felt like it was extremely necessary for me uh, it's actually kind of hard to explain for me looking back now, but when we stopped podcasting, I deleted everything. Like I deleted Instagram off my phone. I deleted all social media, like Facebook, everything. And I decided I just needed to stop. And I think I was in this place in my life where I was really confused. Like I didn't really know who I was, what my message was, what I was doing, I felt just lost and confused. And like, I didn't have a real, like defined purpose in life. And I, in my mind, I think I felt like I hadn't really accomplished anything either, which was totally false and just a limiting belief. But I felt like I hadn't accomplished anything. And I just felt purposeless. So I decided I'm just going to get off of social media because I felt like that had a lot to do with why I felt so lost. And I was just going to like grind in my job and see how far I could get up the ladder essentially and just make something happen in my life. And that's exactly what I did for eight months. I I had a part-time job when we were kind of like doing our podcasting and I was seeing clients and I went full-time in my job. I got a promotion and then I got another promotion and that's where I went. And I felt a lot more stable. And it was really cool to kind of focus on something quote unquote, real life, Mm -hmm. and have like a real job because it teaches you so much (laughs) than working from home. It's a different, it's just a different experience. So what did you learn? Well, um, I became a manager at my current job. So I learned how businesses actually run what it takes and how to be a leader to people and to lead yourself. Oh, oh, that's like the biggest ones. And I learned how to work. Like I learned how to work. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Like I learned how to work fucking hard to get my first promotion to assistant manager. I was busting my ass like all the time. Um, And then when I came up for the first month, um, so I was working like open to close six to seven days a week, busting my butt to make a business happen that I was so passionate about um, and really believed in. So it taught me work ethic and I saw what happened and like what great things came out of that for me working so hard. And now um, I built like an amazing team of women and the studio, I worked at a fitness studio, it just runs so smoothly. So I think it just taught me how to run a business, how to be a leader and how to have a solid work ethic, which was something I think I lacked and didn't know how to do in the past. It was cool. Yeah. Why do you think you lacked that before? Looking back on it, um, I mean, I always had jobs, right? Like I always served tables and it was hard and I always, I worked as a barista, 
But in school was hard. We all know that. And I worked really hard in school, but I don't think I understood what it was like to be in the real world. I don't know if I was necessarily prepared for that. And I was never really taught how to be a leader. I was just taught that if you work hard, things will come to you. But I didn't understand what that meant Mm -hmm. and how to get from point A to point B. Um, So, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm also an only child. So maybe I was just super babied and everything was done for me. Mm -hmm. So it was a great experience. I now understand what it what it takes. Yeah, well, and I think we could talk a little bit about like when we stopped podcasting, like, you know, you kind of said you were like, I need to like, do it on my own. Like I need Mm -hmm. to learn to do it on my own. You know? Yeah. And that's what you did. (laughs) Basically, I always relied on everyone growing up because being an only child, like the person I relied on was my parents. And Whatever I asked for, you know, they kind of just helped me out, gave it to me, family helped me. Then I would rely on friends. Like all of my jobs that I've had, my friends have gotten for me. Um, in college, you know, you don't really study. You don't really do that. You rely on your friends to like help you and give you answers and tutoring. And there was and why we, we do need people to help us along the way. But I guess I never really did anything big myself. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like what he said, I just needed to do it on my own and have that experience for myself. And I think that's something like everyone needs. Yeah, for sure. So like what parts of yourself did you have to change or grow in in order to be a good leader at your job and manage a team? Oh my God. Like this answer is insane. Just because it was the biggest learning experience. I cried like every single day, basically, when I became a manager. I didn't think it was going to be that hard. Like I got into it and I was like, no, nah, it's not that hard. Like I know how to talk to people. I've got this. I know how to lead people. Um, but it's definitely not that way. I had to let go of every belief that I have about myself. Because when you are the manager of a company, a business, um, especially when that business involves like fitness and helping people, you have to be a servant to that company. You have to do what is best for the interest of your company, your team, their values, their ideas. And you have to let go of everything about you. So it's a big like shock to your ego. If you don't like something that the company is doing, it doesn't really matter. You kind of just have to be on ship and do it. And you have to be the one that relays that message to your team. So basically you have to be the biggest advocate of your company. And that goes for whether you're a manager or you're running your own business, you have to be the biggest advocate. So everyone under you feels the same way. So I had to like completely let go of my ego. And then you have to be really compassionate and like a great listener because I manage five women and it is kind of like a, you know, a sorority house at times. And I learned to just let go and listen to what they're telling me and, um, be able to give them like solid advice at the same time is really difficult because we all have our own opinions about everything, but it's mainly listening and compassion and just letting go of your ego yeah, and rising to the occasion. What kinds of things like, Oh, you can decline to answer if you so choose. (laughs) But what kind of things like did you like not agree with that you just had to be on board with? A lot of things. Um, 
you know, I don't, uh, some, I'm trying to figure out what I can and cannot say. I guess some of the expectations I was not a hundred percent on board with. That's what I'm going to say. Like expectations from higher management. Um, in terms of what, like hours or what? It was just what they, I'm also a huge like rebel. I really, I really hate people telling me what to do. So I think that's deep down what it is, but like telling me you have to work a weekend day. Like I hate working weekends. Like that annoyed me. Um, (laughs) just little things like that, um, really kind of pissed me off. And then, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I can and can't say Mm -hmm. about it, but it's just the little rules that people put on you and being a rebel. I hate little rules and like, I have to go to marketing events and like all this stuff. And it was, it's a lot. Like I didn't understand that being a manager is like a 60 hour work week type commitment and you're always on call 24 seven. So you're not really ever off. Like you could get a call at 9 PM that something happened and you have to get up there or I could get a call at 4 a.m. saying my opener didn't show up. So I have to be up there. So it's like you're always responsible 24-7. Yeah. And it's not that I don't agree with that, but that's difficult for me. It's for sure difficult. I mean, that's like when I worked for Jordan, you know, I was like, that's why that oh, job yeah. took such a toll on me. Because it's like any time of day or night, you got to be ready to go. Um, it's like always in the back of your head. I feel like you can't calm down, you know, because you have to always be ready. For the first week of me being a manager, I didn't sleep. Like, I remember Corey would say, like, just go to bed. It's like 2 a.m. And I'm constantly thinking about the studio and like if my opener is going to show up or all the things I had to do the next day. Or like, what if I get a phone call? What if I get an important email? So I know what you are talking about. I know what that feels like. Yeah. So looking back now, like, what advice would you have for other people who are like becoming managers at let's say a fitness studio? Uh, be prepared to work really hard, honestly. Like, and if you're going to be a manager at a fitness studio or a manager anywhere, make sure that you love that place. Like make sure you a hundred percent are on board with the company and their mission and what they're doing. Because if I didn't just love where I worked and love what they are doing in my community, I probably wouldn't have done it. Like that's why I wanted to be a manager there because mm-hmm. I, I loved what they were doing. So you have to love it. Um, and you have to be ready for conflict. So I had to always address conflict as a manager. That's what you're doing. You're always putting out fires. So you have to always have something up your sleeve and be ready for that. And you have to be ready to change and just not let your ego get in the way but it's worth it how I do you think. yeah well how do you like build morale how do you build that sense of community with your team well it's actually easy for me because my team we're all about the same age okay um so well we actually have one woman who is like my grandma's age but she's freaking awesome <laughs> um But I think what you have to do from the very beginning is set a clear expectation. Like when I hired every single girl, I set an expectation of this is what I expect at this studio. Like I expect high energy, positive attitudes, teamwork. Like that's how we're all going to get along and have an amazing environment. And if you set that expectation from the very beginning, then and you keep upholding it, you have to be consistent as well, then they will follow you. Um, And you have to be the example as well. 
So not like talking about your employees Mm -hmm. with other employees, Um, always showing up on time or being there when you say you're going to be there, just holding yourself accountable so they see that you are a great leader and they will they will follow you essentially. And that is also hard because I hate going in early. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine you going in early. It's so hard, dude. Like I can't yeah. imagine you. I feel like you made a 180. I'm curious what kind of so um what kind of leader would you say you are? Are you the type that you like use the intimidation technique or you're like really happy and everyone <laughs> loves you? You know, like I feel like I'm kind of like people are scared of me, so it works. I was going to say, what are you? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like people are scared of me. Like, I feel like I, you know what I think I do is I act, it's like this, people tell me, like, you act really nice, but I feel like if I, I know if I get on your bad side, you'll cut my throat. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. that sounds like right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That sounds about right. (laughs) Uh, For me, I'm like, that's kind of how everyone describes me is I'm very like laid back. I tell you how it needs to be done mm-hmm. and then I let you do it. Like, I'm not going to be on you. I, I just, I expect that you're going to do it and I trust you. But once you break my trust, I'm kind of pissed at you. And <laughs> that's just kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm very, I'm very relaxed and very chill. And I just trust my employees to do what's right. And honestly, that's been an amazing strategy because they do. Because I'm not always on their butts about it. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, like, good hiring obviously helps play a role in that, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Because you yeah, don't have you to be... Yeah, have people. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting, like, have your views on exercise changed since we last talked? Uh-huh, a lot. Okay. A lot. Speak well, no, maybe not a lot, but maybe a little bit. So, in the beginning of working, so, I mean, like, I worked for... Orange Theory Fitness, mm-hmm. and everyone basically knows who that is, what that is. If you were, if you're in the United States, and it's high intensity interval training, and in the beginning, like when we were podcasting, I was going through like major health problems, like with my adrenals, my thyroid. It was getting better, but like it was still not nearly to the place that, where it is right now. Um, and I was going through a lot mentally, emotionally, physically. And I think when you're going through that much stress, high intensity interval training is not going to be a good route for you just because you need something a little more low intensity. Um, and those types of exercises are geared towards like losing fat. And that's not really what I needed back then. I needed more like strength and to build muscle and to be chill with my adrenals. So back then I was more on the camp of strength training. Now that my health has improved and I've been consistently doing Orange Theory for a year and a half, I love their workouts. Like I still don't do them every day like like some crazy people that go there, do it like six, seven times a week. But I do believe that there is a time and a place for high intensity interval training now. I don't think it should be your only thing, but I love the workouts and I, I honestly would recommend them. Like I'm a huge advocate. I'd, I'd recommend them to anyone that's not going through serious, like adrenal dysfunction. Yeah. So what's your routine looking like now? Your exercise routine? Well, it's kind of a mess. Honestly, (laughs) I work out at least four to five, 
four to five times a week, mainly at Orange Theory, uh, probably anywhere from two to three times a week. And then the other days, I just do slow, heavy lifting at the gym. So I like to do a mix. I don't really have time for walks anymore, which is a huge shift for me. I never go on walks. I never hit my step goal. It freaking sucks. Um, How many steps do you get? <laughs> I, I'm like lucky if I get 6,000 in a day. You know what? Well, that's this is the truth about people who work in fitness. So that's so funny. Like I rag on Mind Pump all the time. Like they talk about the importance of knee and like, and I'm like, I'll sit there in the studio with them. I'm like, you guys get like freaking 4,000 steps a day. <laughs> exactly. And they're like, I know, but like, this is just how it is. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's, it's, we'll do it then. <laughs> getting steps is a time commitment. Like it is, you have to, and it's like a mental commitment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm tired. I just worked like eight hours, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to go take a walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my mental barrier when it comes to walks yeah. right now. But as long as I get a workout in yeah. in the day, I feel better. Yeah, it got for sure. At least okay. So you're doing some strength training, some Orange Theory. Um, tell me a little bit about what's happened with your health in the last year. A lot. Um, in a really positive way, I would say. So like I said, I was going through a lot. My thyroid, when we were podcasting, I remember my thyroid was literally low. Like I, I had no T3 in my body, essentially. Mm-hmm. My digestion was super bad. I was always bloated. Well, it was okay. It was getting better. And my adrenals were not that good either. I was just chronically fatigued Mm -hmm. all the time. And while I think that's something that I'll kind of always deal with, to be honest, is like chronic fatigue. I have really gotten better in terms of my digestion. I've actually lost like weight and put on a bunch of muscle and I don't really get brain fog anymore. And my thyroid is at perfect levels. Like I just got this tested a month ago, but I did discover that I had parasites. Um, I had Giardia, I had H. pylori, which is a bacterial infection, and I had several other bacterial infections that were apparently just dormant and like hiding Mm -hmm. for a really long time. What test did you take? I took a GI map. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, it just popped right up there, and I had to go on a three-month protocol for that. Felt fantastic after doing that. Yeah. Wait, did I tell you about my parasites? No. Oh, yeah. Wait, you had parasites? Yeah, so I got, I got a GMAP and I had three parasites. Oh, my God. Which ones? I don't remember. They weren't, like, common. I don't remember which one. They weren't, like, the big ones. I knew it. Yeah, I know. So both of us, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I had parasites, mold, and mercury. Oh, crap, dude. Yeah. But it's What'd the GI do? map. It's a GI map for sure. I mean, I on, went on a protocol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay. that is crazy. Yeah. So back to back to you. So you find that you have parasites um, and you go on a three month thing. You said? Mm-hmm. Yes. I also went back to a more keto diet mm-hmm. after all the shit that I talked about it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I went back to a keto diet. I even did a one month carnivore diet. Um and like I'm just gonna be honest it was great like it worked so well for me and I don't know why I'm ashamed that it worked so well for me but like I I hang out more in the keto sphere now and most of my meals are like meat and fat and then at night is when I incorporate my vegetables and carbs but 
I don't know. It's super weird. That totally changed my life after I did keto and then went carnivore. I don't know what happened, but it's like carnivore reset my digestion Mm -hmm. like completely. And whenever I feel like I need a digestive reset, I just kind of go back to carnivore and I feel really good. So I don't really know like if people want answers of like how did I get better kind of thing. I don't actually have those because it was slow, like transitional things over time. Like I just consistently started to work out more. I consistently started to try different diets. I consistently like got new tests and new supplemental protocols and all of that stuff and just found out more and more about myself. Um, Also found out that I have reoccurring Epstein-Barr virus, so that's fun. But it was very slow. Mm -hmm. It was not just like a Ah, I figured this out right now and I'm good. Like mm-hmm. it was very slow. I want to talk more about carnivore. Um, okay. And how you felt on it. It's so freaking funny. Like literally the same thing happened to us. I know that you did carnivore. And I remember when we were like texting at that time about it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's really interesting. I had very, I had a lot of hesitations about it. And I was definitely in the camp of like, you cannot live without vegetables. You know, we both love vegetables. Mm -hmm. So I did not want to believe that you could live your life without vegetables or fruit or potatoes because I love carbs. Like I love them. But I was watching, I watch a lot of YouTube now, like way too much. And I was just watching YouTube and I stumbled across carnivore pages like Frank Tufano. I don't know if you know who he is or this one guy who, oh my God, you have to follow this dude. His name is the vegetable police on YouTube and (laughs) he's hysterical. But anyways, they're, they were just talking about how they were vegan. It totally messed them up. And then they went carnivore and everything was like fine. And they thrived on carnivore. So I just decided to do it like for a month. Well, I made it about a week and then totally failed, which was fine. Um, I don't think I was mentally ready. And then I tried it again and did it for about a month. And I had like zero bloating whatsoever, which bloating is something that I struggled with like consistently. So I had zero bloating, consistent bowel movements, all of my inflammation that I carry like in my face and in like my arms and my knees were completely gone. Like I had so much energy. I just felt like a freaking newborn baby or something. It mm-hmm. was insane. I'm curious. Okay, how long how long did it take for you to feel that good? Like was that was that pretty immediate or was it after the month or it was about so after two weeks, um, after about three days, my digestion was solid. Like my stomach completely just responded to that within mm-hmm. three days. Um, but with the energy and the inflammation, it took about two weeks. And then after that, it was just smooth sailing. But I realized I could not sustain a life of pure meat just mm-hmm. for mental sanity. So I incorporate more things. Yeah, well, I I actually really like your approach. That's why I try and tell people like, uh, like with this carnivore thing, it can be so healing. But then it like, I feel like it just fucks with you if you are like, I have to do this long term. Like, for example, I mean, I have a client right now who she's doing Mm -hmm. carnivore. And I'm like, you know, it doesn't have to be so cut and dry. It doesn't have to be like, all carnivore or, or, or all just paleo. It can be like, you can eat mostly carnivore. But if you want to eat vegetables, you can have them. 
Yes. So I watched this video on Keto Connect's channel and it was called Carnivore Till Four where they did, I don't remember what they were doing, but they were doing carnivore, basically only eating meat until dinner time. Mm -hmm. And then their meal at dinner had a bunch of vegetables. And I was like, hmm, that could be cool. So that's what I started doing. And that's basically what I do now. I've been doing that for a couple months. And I think that's one of the most sustainable and easiest approaches that you can have to carnivore if that's something that resonates with you, because you don't have to restrict vegetables. And I think for a lot of people, especially who are working, breakfast is like the hardest meal of the day. And I realized that too, when I got a job and carnivore is the easiest thing to do for breakfast. Like I eat hard boiled eggs. Like I will literally just grab like hard boiled eggs and mayo, which isn't, you know, hundred percent carnivore, mm-hmm. but whatever. Um, or I'll make like five scrambled eggs in butter and just take it with me. And I don't even have to think about it. And then lunch is like almost a freaking pound of like ground beef or something like that. Like, so it's the easiest thing that you can do. And then when you finally come home for dinner and you have time to make yourself food, you can spend time preparing veggies and like all the beautiful things that you love. And it's, it's actually very sustainable. Yeah. So do you, do you have meat with dinner too, or is that mostly just like vegetables? No, I, I eat meat with dinner, just a less portion. Okay. So my question is, so you have a lot more energy, but I'm wondering, do you think that, do do you think you increased your calories doing that? Yeah, for sure. My calories did, in the beginning, I was doing carnivore, like, wrong, because you're not very hungry when you're doing carnivore in the beginning. Like, you're just eating meat. Protein and fat are very filling, Mm -hmm. especially to me. And I was eating, because I remember in the beginning, like the first three days, I was telling you my stomach felt great, but my energy was kind of eh, like kind of weird. And I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if I'm under eating right now. So I tracked a full day, like I just wrote down everything. And then at the end of the day, I tracked it in my fitness pal. And I was eating like 1300 calories. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not good for me. Um, so I decided I was just going to start eating more meat, more protein and adding more fat to everything. And then about a couple weeks later, I tracked and I was closer to 2000, which is high for me, which is cause I chronically under eat. That's mm-hmm. just what I do. So I definitely increase my calories for sure. Interesting. Yeah. I, I've been trying to ask different people at carnivore. I feel like the calorie thing is so interesting because I think something weird happens with carnivore. Like, cause I read all these people who like double, triple their calories and they're just like, they can eat like three, 4,000 and nothing happens with just meat. Meat is actually really easy to eat now. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, it's really hard. So I actually understand how people are just doubling their calories. Cause I could just sit there and eat a whole entire pound of ground beef with butter on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm good. I don't know. I don't know how many calories are in that. But I feel like that's a lot of food, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's easy. Like it just digests well. And it's smooth. And I get energy from it. It's so weird. How many pounds of meat do you think you eat in a day? That's a really good question. I haven't even. Okay, so I've heard of people, you know, eating like four pounds of meat in a day or something like that. Like, who says that Sean Baker or something like that? Um, I honestly probably don't eat more than two. Yeah. I think from what I read, most people are eating like two to three a day. Well, I eat a lot of eggs in the morning and I don't know what equates to like a pound, but I'll eat at least like three to four eggs and throw in like bacon or sausage or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then for lunch, we'll be anywhere from half a pound to like three quarters, close to a pound. I've never eaten like a full pound really in a meal. Or that's a lie, I have, but I don't do it very often mm-hmm. just because I don't get that hungry. But dinner is definitely my biggest meal, but it can't be more than two. Yeah. It can't be. It's so interesting. So this is <laughs> like, okay, so remember like back a year ago, remember like I always, I was like, I can eat so much protein and like it was always harder for you to like eat bigger portions of meat, uh-huh. you know? And I was like the opposite and we were so different. Um, and then kind of what happened to me with carnivore was like, I was not satiated on it at all. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, I could eat, like, it's not helping me. And so recently, so then I, you know, I've been doing all this weird shit and then I did like potato diet. And then now I'm not doing like any mono, mono food diet. But, (laughs) um, in the last couple of weeks, I've been like actually toying with my macros and I'm trying like basically high carb, low, well, it's low fat for me. It's still like not low fat, but it's like, like what, what is low fat for you? Like 70 grams a day. I mean, I would consider that low fat personally. Yeah, I think it is too. I guess in the regular world, people in the regular world, that's like good. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm on a fat starvation diet, but but like a lot of carbs, like at least 150 grams. Um, That's a lot for you. Yeah, it's a lot for me. And what's been interesting is, I mean, I'm still seeing how it goes. Like, but this is the only time in the last like three years that I feel full. After a meal. Wow. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I feel full. I'm like, you know me. It's like, I was like, I could eat a horse. Like. I know. And I thought when I got burned my parasites, it would go away. And it didn't. I just like have a huge appetite. But this is like the like the only. It's so weird. It's like the opposite. Do you have any theories like why? I honestly, I think it has to do with this whole idea of like, when something's not working, we need to do the opposite. And like, mm-hmm. I think for me, I was keto. I was in the keto, I was keto slash keto-ish for, like, over three years, you know, like, I always, I never just did regular paleo, like, I came into paleo, um, I went from Sarah American diet to keto, basically, and I was there up until when we stopped podcasting, pretty much, um, and then, you know, I've never been in the more moderate range, and I just wonder if my body was just, like, starving for carbs for the last three years, and I mean, I f- also it was like I feel like potato diet like like I, I, my 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 period was like is like thriving now <laughs> you know and I had amenorrhea yeah almost like almost four years I didn't have a period you know um so I think that it might be this thing of opposites and I think also for leptin signaling for me it was like my body hadn't gotten a consistent hit of carbs for so long um I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Dude, no. Like, you've always been a straight mystery to me. <laughs> like, I, a straight mystery. I think you're right in, in terms of, like, when your body is not responding, you may just need to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So that may have been it. But honestly, no, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I feel like – I just feel like my body was on the, like – low carbs out of the spectrum for so long that like I had to swing it to the opposite side and I hope that eventually it'll even out and then I'll be able to go where I want you know what I mean but um 
I don't know. It, I'm I'm gonna see how long this works for because historically it's like sometimes I try something and it it works for like a week or two and then it stops. So we'll see. But it's just it's very fascinating. It's very freaking hard. You know how much volume you have to eat to eat like low fat, high carb. I can't I, imagine. I can't even keep up with it. Like it's stressful. I would be so bloated. It's stressful <laughs> like- AF. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Well, and that's the issue. It's like definitely. I do better with less fiber um, digestively, but in terms of satiety, it was like this trade-off. It was like when I was on carnivore, all my bloating went away, but I was just still hungry and I felt like toxic and like I just crashed and burned and I was like, I can't do this. So I don't know. It's very odd. I don't know. But I wish like in an ideal world, I would eat like that. Like I love being carnivore because I love meat. But mm-hmm. it is kind of expensive. It, yeah, it is really expensive. Like I'm eating freaking like steak all the time. And then when you try to be like budget friendly and eat only ground beef, you're like, I'm kind of miserable. I'm eating only ground beef. Mm-hmm. So you have to like buy higher cuts of meat. Like you have to buy the more expensive stuff if you're going to be satisfied. So it is, which is another reason why I added in vegetables again and like other plant foods because mm-hmm. I just can't freaking afford that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard. I know when I was doing, I, I was like, this is so, especially when you're doing like grass fed, you know, it's very expensive. Oh yeah. I don't like, I don't even do grass fed everything. I like I can't even do that. You just got to make do with what you've got, honestly. Yeah, it's a lot. Okay, so okay, so we kind of covered carnivore. Um, what other changes did you make? Well, I think one of the biggest changes for me was deleting all of my social media, and I accredit that to like why I was able to change so much and become the person that I really wanted to be. I felt like social media, I felt just like in a box. Like I was constantly comparing myself to like, oh, I have to run my business the way that that person runs their business. And oh, well, this person is eating like that. Maybe I should try that. Or it was just always a comparison game. And I felt so lost. I didn't understand who I was. And I was just always consistently trying to be like somebody else. And that was so confusing. So the day that I quit Instagram, I still think was like the best day of my life. And I took eight months to just kind of figure out who the heck am I without seeing the opinions of everybody else and what everyone else was doing with their life. So that was amazing. Um, but now I'm back on Instagram again because I feel like I know how to use it wisely now and not let it take over my life. Like I just kind of post and leave. Mm-hmm. I don't ever hang out on Instagram anymore. And I'm not even consistent with it yet. I'm trying, I'm going to try really hard and be, but I'm not even consistent with it yet just because I don't know how I feel about it. But I definitely made those changes. Um, I wasn't seeing any clients at the time. Like I just completely quit my business altogether. And now I am seeing clients again and I'm revamping my business. So I'm really excited, essentially, about everything that's going to be coming in the next couple months. Because I finally feel like I have a clear vision of who I am, the audience that I want to speak to, the message I want to give. Um, I'm just kind of, I'm like ready to go, you know? So, so tell me who, who do you want to speak to and what is your message? Like what, what are you going for? 
Yes. So working with so many like younger women my age, I feel like I relate to them the most. And I just like feel for young women in their 20s to 30s. It's really hard to like find what to eat and balance like your life with food. And basically every woman in that age range has a body image issue. And I think we all know that like that is a big part of my story is body image issues and issues with like binge eating and disorder type eating. So I really want to speak to women in that area of 20 to 30. I want to help them out with their nutrition and with their mindset. I just want to get girls to stop dieting. Like you do not have to diet anymore. Because I work in a gym, I see firsthand those young women saying, I'm starting my diet on Monday. And then by the time Friday rolls around, we're eating like candy in my office and they're off the rails. And then on Sunday, they're texting me saying, all right, so working out starting Monday, diet starts Monday. And this happens every single week. And I'm like, guys, like we have to be consistent, you know, like, um, and I hate seeing that. Like, I hate seeing young women going through this cycle of like, I have to diet and then they jump off the bandwagon and then they have to do it again. And since working in the fitness industry, a lot of people, of course, work out to look good. And it's this constant cycle of just beating yourself up all the time. And I'm, I'm like tired of seeing it. I just, I want to be a coach to women who are tired of dieting that want to start having confidence with their body and they need the necessary shifts, like a person that's going to be there to help them with that. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what I'm doing. And it makes me like so sad to see, honestly, so sad because I've been there and I understand. Yeah. So a few things. First of all, what do you think has helped you the most get out of that? Improve your body image, stop the dieting cycle. Um, getting off social media. Like I still was going through stuff like that. Um, when I was on social media and I will say number one, if you're going through any body image issues or issues with wondering what to eat, get off social media and figure it out for yourself. That's what I had to do. I started to eat what I wanted to eat, not what I saw on Instagram. And that was one of the biggest changes in my life. I figured out what felt good for me. Mm -hmm. And then also you're not looking at pictures of other women comparing yourself to them and to all these fitness influencers where it's literally not attainable for the average woman. So you start to see normal, real people around you in your everyday life and what they look like. And you're like, oh, this is what a woman looks like. They're not perfect. So it helps to build your self-esteem. Second, I had to make a ton of mindset shifts. I had to, I have it all in my journal because I saved everything because I just wanted to see like how far I came. But I wrote down like a huge list of all the beliefs that I had around food and my body and what a woman should look like and what girls should eat and all of these beliefs that I had. And I just had to ditch them and create new ones. And like, how did I really want to feel? How did I really want to look? What is a sustainable diet and lifestyle look like for me and you have to create a whole new picture a whole new story for yourself and then you have to make the steps in between to get there you can't just jump from point a to point b you have to have a plan of action and a way to execute that um so i did that all for myself and it did take time but i never hired a coach um i never saw anybody i i just did it myself Mm -hmm. and 
but I do believe a lot of women, like they need the support and the guidance. It's, it's really hard to do it alone. And that's why it took me so long to do because I did it by myself. What were some of those beliefs that you had that you changed? Because I think I'm sure a lot of the ones you have, most people listening have too. So around food, I recognized that I had portion issue beliefs that like women should not eat as much as men should, or they're, I don't know, just it felt wrong whenever I put a lot of food on my plate. And I realized that that's just not right. Like that's false. Mm. That's not true. Um, So around food, it was that. And then um, around my beliefs around my body image, I really just had to give up that I was fat. Like, I know that's a belief that everyone, every woman basically has, whether you are fat or not, you most likely think that you are, or you hate a part of your body a lot. And I had to just give that belief up completely because you can't hate, you can't hate your body and move forward on a, on this journey. Like you just can't, you have to accept those parts of your body that you may not like right now. And I had to get over that completely and figure out how to do that. But I just remember those were the main ones. It was like getting over my fear of big portions Mm -hmm. and then learning how to let go of all the negative beliefs that I had around my body, mainly like my legs. (laughs) So I had to let go of that completely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you talking about that because it's like, I mean, it's true. I think most women, if they're not currently dealing with it, have dealt with that. But what does it look like? Like, let's say someone is listening, like, yeah, I have those beliefs too. Mm. How do you let go of that belief that you're fat, even though you're probably not? Well, I actually don't know if it ever goes away, but it's a moment to moment type thing. When that belief comes up, you literally just have to tell yourself, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Every single time it comes up. And over time, you start to retrain your brain and you don't think that way about yourself anymore. Also, start acting on it in your day-to-day life because I sit around with women at a fitness studio and we talk about our bodies and other people's bodies. So if you want to change the narrative in your own life, physically change it. Don't sit around with your friends talking about how fat you are and how you're not swimsuit ready for the summer. Talk about how like beautiful you are and you don't care what you look like in a swimsuit. Compliment other women and tell them how fantastic they look. Not even that. Tell them how like funny they are. Tell them something about their personality. Like just stop focusing on what you look like in general and physically change that narrative. Once I stopped like talking crap about my body, about other people's bodies with my friends, that also changed the way that I thought about myself internally. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So those are like the first two places to really start. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, I so when you when you came back to social media, um, you you put did an Instagram post and you're like, these things have changed, um, X, Y, and Z, and you said that you lost seven percent body did I fat. Even say? I did. Yeah. Do you think that was a result of physical changes or mental changes or both? Or what do you think? How do you think that came about? It was both. Um, first of all, I had to get like 
my actual health under control. Like I was extremely inflamed, which is why I was holding on to a bunch of weight. And I think that was because of the parasites and the fact that my thyroid was extremely low. So I know that that's why like I was holding onto a bunch of weight. And there were a lot of things that I did regarding my food and my exercise that helped me lose that weight. But it was also the mental shift of realizing like, I don't care that I'm holding on to this weight. Like I'm just going to do what makes my body feel good in this moment. And I think me not like freaking out all the time about wondering what people thought about me and, oh my God, I gained so much weight. Are people going to look at me and my pictures and notice that I gained all this weight? Like that is a stressor on your body. The things that you think about yourself, if they're negative, is a stressor to your body. And we all know that stress causes cortisol. Too much cortisol can cause weight gain. Like it's a real cycle. It's a real thing. So I just stopped being so stressed about those kinds of things. And I just did what I had to do that made me feel good. So it was a very, it was a combination of the two. And then honestly, I think going keto carnivore kind of helped me lose that last percent of body fat for sure. I lost like 3% of that in the month that I did carnivore. Yeah. So you think that, I mean, that's, inflammation I feel like you know yeah a lot of it was just straight inflammation I'm but the mindset helped yeah well I'm curious actually back to carnivore so do you think that most people should lean more towards carnivore or what's your nutritional opinion now on plants you know I I oh god it's so hard I've been trying to wrap my head around this for like months you know I don't think that it's a necessary thing that everyone needs to do that I see people like every day that are fine on like running on mainly carbohydrates and that's cool. But I think for the woman that has digestive issues like constipation, because um, I've seen personally for somebody with constipation, a lot of bloating, very inflamed, joint issues, maybe even autoimmune type issues, like you should probably just at least try it or try reducing your vegetable intake. I've even like talked to a lot of women on YouTube that have done this and they're all saying the same thing. So there seems to be like a common trend with people that do carnivore. They're just inflamed. So it seems like it's a good diet for anyone going through heavy inflammation. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm still trying to wrap my head around plants. Um, I don't, I won't eat grains anymore. Like I used to be very lenient with grains and now I'm just like, why, <laughs> why would I even eat them? Um, they don't make me feel good. Cause after you do carnivore and then you add things back in, you're like, Oh my God, like that makes me feel terrible. So I can't like, I'll eat some occasional like chips and salsa if I'm out with a friend, but I end up like not, it wasn't worth it basically. So yeah, that's I'm still trying to wrap my head around it to be honest. I think we all are. I think we all are. I think that with all of these diets like everyone who's hopping so like who's just being like this is the one way all of a sudden. It's like with keto. Like everyone who was like keto, hardcore keto long term, everyone needs to eat this way. And now like a year later, they're all backed off. I'm like, "Oh, actually like Cyclical this is better. the way. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, that's why, I don't know. I think we need to give everything a little bit more time and see how people feel. Um, and, like, I'm just 
you know, everyone wants to imagine that one way of eating is going to work for everyone. And I'm like, it's just not. It's just not. I just made a YouTube video about that because it makes me so mad that like diet people or that's not even a good term, but like people can act like keto or carnivore or vegan. Like it's the magic solution. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, it was probably the magic solution for you, but it's not for it's not going to be for everyone. And you, you can't be so irresponsible to act that way. Yeah. Um, because there are young and I mean, even older impressionable people that are going to follow that advice and they're going to be extremely disappointed when it doesn't work for them. And they're just going to feel hopeless again. Yeah. And it's a cycle. I agree. And I think I'm getting a little nervous about the carnivore space because look, you know, I love carnivore. Like I'm team carnivore, honestly. Like I'm not yeah, team same. vegan. I'm not team vegan. Never have been. Sorry, but I'm team carnivore. But I'm not liking where this is heading. Where I feel like a lot there's certain people. Obviously, not everyone, but there are certain people in the space and kind of this culture that it's created. Like there's a, it's kind of a cult now, and they're doing the same thing that the vegans did that make us not like the vegans. Dude, I know. Like, I'm seeing it on YouTube. I don't know what it's like on Instagram or anything, but like, I see that too. And I'm like, guys, can we just freaking chill out? Like, this is food that we're talking about here. No, it's not. It's religion. Apparently. (laughs) It's politics. (laughs) People are getting like tattoos of steaks on their arms, like weird stuff. And I'm just like, okay, like, (laughs) that's what you want. It's becoming like a cult. I'm like, Jesus, like, can we just calm down? It's a lot. But so, yeah, I just don't like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a lot. Okay, well, in conclusion, we still don't know how I feel about plants, but I'm glad that you're feeling so much better and that you like lost all that inflammation and that you have more energy and your thyroid's good. And like, I'm so happy for you. Thanks. I'm doing good, but you know, still a mystery, still more things to uncover. Always. Still have so many tests to take, but so much better. So much. Well, I think also... I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about the social media thing because how did that impact your life? Did that impact your your social life at all, being off social media? Or, I don't know, did you feel weird at the beginning or what was the whole path on with that? The first month was genuinely so hard. Like, I think I was actually going through physical detox. Probably. Like, I would reach for my phone, look at it, and just stare. Like, I would, like, I'm looking for something to do. I would just stare at it. I would look through my camera roll. Like, I was desperate for things to do on my phone. I would sit there and look through my camera roll for hours. <laughs> and I would just, like, just looking at old pictures. Or I would get on the internet and just start, like, Googling random things just to, like, have something to look at. Mm-hmm. And that, um, sucked. But over time, I would pick my phone up, realize there's nothing on it and then just put it back down. And then it got to the point where I don't even pick up my phone anymore. Mm -hmm. And that when I was at that point, that is when like you were talking about my social life, my social life changed because I'm naturally a little bit more introverted. But a part of me has always wanted to be more extroverted and like talk to people and make relationships. And I felt like that was super easy over Instagram to do because, I mean, just send a quick DM or leave a comment on somebody's picture and you guys can be like BFFs in a month. But in real life, that's not how it works. 
And I learned that quickly, like there's no comment box in real life. You actually have to physically go up to the person and talk to them. And so getting rid of social media, I realized I had zero social skills. I had zero networking skills. Um, and I didn't know what it was like to be a real friend. I only knew what it was like to like text your friend or, you know what I mean? So I then forced myself to put myself out there, especially being a manager. Like I have to be there in person for people every single day. Um, I, I have a like, completely new friend group now than I did. And I feel like I actually have close relationships with my friends, not just acquaintance type friendships, but actual close friendships. And I also saw, of course, my relationship like with my boyfriend improve because I can't just sit there and ignore him while scrolling on Instagram. Like we have to talk and not like we don't like to talk, but we have to sit there and talk about something. And you, you just get to know the people so much more when you're not on your phone. So it taught me a lot. I miss Corey. <laughs> He's a cool dude. He's the best. <laughs> He's the best. Okay, well, tell me more about like when you say like you, I know. you learned how to be a real friend. Like talk more about that. What does that mean? Being a real friend. Well, first of all, I think everyone has a different definition of what a friend is. And if you're going to be a friend to somebody, you need to figure out what that is. Like what does that mean? to that person to be a good friend because for one of my really close friends to her that means she likes to be checked up on like she likes to be texted for me to be like hey how's it going how are you like she doesn't like to be forgotten for other friends they don't care so much about that and they just want to see you and hang out with you and catch up with you so I think it taught me to actually communicate more and ask them like what is it that you want? Like, what do you like in a friendship? Like Mm -hmm. actually being open and honest and authentic with these people and like not really caring about what they think of you or how you come across, but really genuinely getting to know them. And it just taught me to actually be there for people. Um, because that's what friendship is in the end. It's just, it's being there for one another. So that's really what it taught me because social media, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's all fake. Like you just fake, you're fake there for people. You just send them a quick DM, you comment on all their pictures and it looks like you're there for them. But in reality, you know nothing about them and you guys don't talk every day. Like it can't, it can create real friendships and it has, but for the majority, that's not the case. Yeah. I think that's where the, it's hard to tell because, okay. I talk about this a lot. For example, when people come visit me or I go visit other people who I met through social media and then people who I'm not that close with be like, oh, I want to visit you or like, you should come visit me. And I'm like, but we're just like Instagram. Like, I'm not really that close to you. You know what I mean? Like, just because we're coming back and forth. But I think they think that that's the level of closeness that I have with other people. And I'm like, no, these are people who like, I call I text every day, like, I know, like, we face, like, I know the ins and outs of their lives, it's not just we're commenting back and forth, um, and so that's why I think social media is so deceptive, because on the outside, you can't tell the difference between those, those two things, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's also why a lot of people feel this fake 
sense of, or this is why they think they have a social life, but they feel empty on the inside because they have all these social media friends, which is what they think is friendship, but they don't have anyone actually in their life. They don't have anyone that they actually call or text or see or sit next to. And they're deluded because they look on social media and they think that that's how relationships are just through the phone. Absolutely. And that is why when I got so off social media, I actually made real life friends. Like that is why, because I didn't have my social media friends, quote unquote, to like lean on essentially mm-hmm. because I had no phone. I, or I had a phone, but like, because I had no social media to like talk to, I had to go out there in the world and make some real friends or else I was going to be real depressed if I had no social media friends and no real life friends. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was really important, but now I actually see the benefits in social media. Um, like taking the break got gave me the time to analyze it. Like what would I actually use it for, and gives me more purpose with it now. And I think it's just important to be intentional with it. Like why are you using it? Are yeah. you using it just to brag about your life or to try to make your life look cool to your coworkers and the people you graduated high school with? Or are you on social media to spread a message, um, share your voice? Are you on social media to just connect with old friends in your family? Like, why are you there? Don't just mindlessly post to post, you know? And I feel like that's just what is societally normal, just mm-hmm. to post to post, but like have some intention with it and you won't feel as empty when it comes to social media. Yeah. So since getting back on, is there anything you've noticed or anything you're surprised to see or like, Oh, is that like getting back on after such a long time? When I first opened Instagram, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like (laughs) I was so confused. Now it looks normal to me, but I don't remember what changed, but there were like new things happening in Instagram story. Like, you know how they're always updating features? Uh-huh. I'm like, whoa. I was just so confused about <laughs> Instagram stories. Um, I don't remember what new features there what there were, but it was just all the new features. Uh-huh. Very confused about all the new features. Um, it was just honestly really overwhelming. Like all the content, it just like all the stuff just in my brain after not having it, I felt overwhelmed, like emotionally drained mm-hmm. when I logged back on, which is why I logged back on. I posted, made a couple stories and I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. And I just deleted it again. <laughs> got back off. Um, yeah, it's overwhelming. Like I, I want, <laughs> I want everyone to at least try a social media detox and then log back on. And you tell me that it's not overwhelming. It so. is. It, it for sure is, and it's so funny because I'm just like, I have no idea what even goes on anymore. People will be like, like, I remember when I used to, I couldn't not go to sleep in college until I had gone through my whole feed or, like, watched all the stories, and now I don't see anything unless I specifically look the person up, which pretty much only happens if I'm podcast interviewing them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think also it's part of, like, growing up and getting busy. Like, I don't, and I'm sure you're, the, it's like, there's not time in the day to just sit there and like scroll like you're doing well, things. Well, people make time yeah. for it. Like they say they have no time to like go to the grocery store and eat healthy and work <laughs> out, but you actually spend five hours a day scrolling. Yeah. So I think it's just in that screen time feature on your iPhone. Have, do you have that when mm-hmm. it gives you like your weekly updates of mm-hmm. how much time you spend on your phone? Mm-hmm. Like 
everyone should be using that because if you say that you don't have time in your life and then you get your weekly update that you spend 12 hours a week on your phone, like, dude, you're wasting some precious time. I know. And what's scary to me is I've compared my screen time to some of my friends who work just like nine to five jobs and they say they don't, Uh they don't have time to do X, Y, and Z and like, and their screen time is like triple mine. And I'm like, my job is like half on my phone and technology. So like, this is really sad. Like that you're, you're spending so much time scrolling. It takes over our lives for sure. It does. And even like starting to post again, I'm realizing that it is hard to put my phone down again. Like I'll post and then I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to watch a couple Instagram stories. And then it's like I'm down the rabbit hole for like 30 minutes. And I did that today. So I realized, I was like, oh my God, no. Like I immediately deleted the app off of my phone. I'm just, I'm going to have to be a post and go kind of Mm -hmm. person. Um, I'm just going to get sucked in. So with that free time you had, what did you do? Did you pick up any new hobbies or interests? Huh, let me think about that. Oh, I love going to yoga now. Well, that's kind of recent, but like I love yoga. I spend a lot of time with my family now, um, like a lot. Oh, I started a YouTube channel, like a consistent YouTube channel. So that's really fun. I just started doing more things that I was interested in and liked doing. So working out, I don't go on walks. Maybe I should start doing that. I just realized. But uh, honestly, a lot of my time is my job. Mm -hmm. Interesting stuff is when I get home. And it's mainly cooking new food, all that kind of stuff, and going to yoga. So is there any new food you're into that you want to share with the crew? Okay, new foods. Let's see. Not necessarily a new food, but lately there's this thing, this new thing that I've been doing. So I know we just talked about like carnivore and all that stuff and like how much I love carnivore. But I reached this point with carnivore where I like needed something before my workouts. Like protein was not doing it for me before my workouts. I just felt heavy and like gross and nasty and it didn't give me any energy. So lately I've actually just been having like a bowl of berries and coconut yogurt first thing in the morning, like right when I wake up because I usually work out within an hour or two upon waking up. And I don't know, like I don't know how to explain it, but I love it. Just those like simple carbohydrates like right before a workout give you energy and I have been doing fasted workouts for so long Mm -hmm. that it just feels so much different and I feel like it's not as taxing on your body when you have some available fuel in your system right into your workouts I would I would agree so what kind of yogurt are you doing just the coconut yogurt. I switch it up. Like if I'm feeling fancy, I'll do the GT's one. You know, the one that's like super bubbly or sparkly or super fermenty. Yeah. Or I'll do the Kalina yogurt. Have you ever had that one? Yeah, it's super good. I really like that one. But right now I'm balling on a budget and I'm just doing good old so delicious <laughs> coconut yogurt unsweetened. I feel like, I don't know, for me, I feel like before a workout, I wouldn't be able to handle something heavy like Koyo or even Kalina would be probably too much for me, but I could get down with some GTs or so delicious. It's a little light. Yeah. I don't do that much because all the fat, you know, like it's just heavier in your stomach Mm -hmm. and you just want something like lighter before you work out. So so not a new food, but a new like combo essentially. All right. I'm going to, well, 
uh, okay, I'm switch it up on you for a sec because since you brought that up, can you give me a a brief overview, step by step, of the Kara morning routine? Oh God, it's so long. Like I Pull hate myself for because me. I hate myself because I take at least two hours in the morning to like. You always do... have. <laughs> I am slow. Like I am a slow riser. I am a. What I'm time just do you slow. Get up? Um. Well, now that you know, I quit my job. I get up at like eight in the morning, mm-hmm. and I will literally work until like eight p.m. I don't know. Like that's just my thing right now because I like to get sleep. But I usually wake up at like eight o'clock. I get out of bed. I make hot water because that is my biggest obsession in the morning is hot water because it just gets my digestive system flowing and okay TMI but like you poop immediately like right after you drink yeah, hot water true. your stomach's like let's go and you're just it just does <laughs> so your stomach's like get it come on <laughs> exactly it's like up and ready so I'll drink my hot water And then I usually sit down and I do some journaling for about five to 10 minutes. I have some journal prompts that I go through. Um, I write down my goals and then I just do like free write journaling. So just brain dumping, like whatever comes into my mind. Then I'll usually do some form of reading. Right now I'm trying to get through like a 300 page book about NLP and it's like really hurting my brain. So I'll do some reading or I'll sit out on my patio and do that. And then I usually do a meditation or like a visualization for 10 to 15 minutes. And then after that, I either drink coffee, tea, Celsius. I'm really addicted to those right now in a bad way. And I eat my berries and then I go to the gym for like 30 to 45 minutes. Then I go for like a 30 minute walk outside after that. And then I come home, then I shower, then I eat a real breakfast and start my day. Like two and a half hours later. Honestly, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. My my morning routines. I love long it too, but probably not that long, long. for you. Is probably like 45 minutes. <laughs> I know. Okay, I don't think we ever talked about this on the podcast. Did we? Like when we were like staying together, and like I would, <laughs> I'd be dead, and you'd be like halfway through your morning oh routine. my god like by the time that i drink water like you're done working out i know i was like done like when we out, stayed in portland I was, I was like what <laughs> i think there was one morning where like i had studied for nta i worked out i was dressed and you were like still drinking your coffee <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so true <laughs> it's so true i love it uh, i think it's great well you know what's interesting though is like do you have a similar routine like that at night Um, yes, my night routine isn't as long, but basically, you know, I just get ready for bed like a normal person, like take my makeup off, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And then my night routine just takes place in bed. Like I'm just journaling and reading and Mm -hmm. visualizing. It's all the same. Like I do all the same things morning and night, Mm -hmm. except the content changes. So like in bed, I'll be journaling about how I want my day tomorrow to go or reading the same exact book and then visualizing how I want my next day to go. Mm-hmm. So I do the same exact thing just for shorter amounts of time because to be honest, I fall asleep real quick when I'm in bed and I'm like reading, mm-hmm. just pass out. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people either have like a hefty morning routine or a hefty nighttime routine or like halfway of both. You know, I think some people are like more night nighttime, more morning. So like you're definitely more of a morning like routiner, I think. For sure. I just really like to take my time and I'm really just 
I'm just a slow person in general. Like I just really like to take my time in life, I guess. But I've been trying to tell my clients too, because I've made YouTube videos about my like morning routine and what I do. And my clients are like, I literally can't do that. Like I don't have time to do that. I'm like, pick one thing. You don't need an extensive morning routine. Like nobody needs that. It's just what I enjoy doing. What you really need is at least five to 10 minutes in the morning of getting in touch with yourself like, because we we spend so much time away from who we really are. We're either at work and we're doing things for other people, or we have kids, or it's just constantly going, 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 and you have no time to sit back to reflect, to think about how you're actually feeling, how you actually want your day to go. Like nobody has time for that. So in the morning, carve out five to ten minutes to journal, do a visualization, do something to get in touch with yourself before you start a full blown day. I agree. I think it's very important. Okay, so. Here's the next thing. We're reaching the end. What do you think is the okay. biggest thing that's changed about you in this last year? Oh, man. There's a lot. But I think the biggest thing that has changed about me is that I'm not letting fear hold me back as much anymore from what I wanted to do. I know that fear will like never go away. You can't just get rid of fear. It's like an evolutionary thing that is installed in us, but we can control our reactions to fear. And that's something that I've really gotten a grip on. And I've let fear hold me back for so long for actually going after like things in my life, things in business. And I think I've just gotten over that. Like I see the fear now, I recognize it and I, I know how to move past it and move on because I've just realized that life, I know everyone says this, but life literally is too short to like let fear stop you. I don't want to reach 40 years old and then realize that I had held myself back for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to do what I can right now to get to where I want to, to be, essentially. I would say that's probably the biggest thing. I think that's awesome. I also think it's cool how we live in a generation where we can really realize that now. Like we're both early 20s. You know, and a lot of mm -hmm. people don't reach that until they're 40, you know, and it's like we have so many years to just like grab life by the balls and be like, I'm going for it. <laughs> exactly. And my dad, for example, like, I mean, he liked his jobs for the majority of his life, but he's reached a point now where he's like 52 years old and he's like, I've wanted to be an author like my whole entire life and I haven't done it. And he now doesn't have a job and he's been writing a book and I'm like, heck yeah, like you go you, dad, at 50 years old, not doing what you were wanting to do for like your whole entire life and now just becoming an author. But me personally, I don't want to reach mm -hmm. that point of my life and have to make this huge drastic change. And I think seeing him do that is what inspired me to like do this now. Yeah, I think there's also, I, I don't know if you see this, but I talked to a lot of people like our age and they feel like they have to do go the tr like they haven't earned the right to just leap right into that yet it's like they're like well I have to right. have a normal job for at the beginning and then maybe I'll do that I'm like why like who says you have to wait you don't or it's like imposter syndrome where people don't think they're qualified enough to do something mm -hmm. I was just talking to like another NTP about this who like messaged me and she was like I really want to go into life coaching but I don't think I'm qualified and I'm like well do you have experience and like tangible pieces of advice that you know for a fact will help people in a specific area. 
And she's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, then why are you so scared Mm -hmm. to give that advice? And I feel like it's imposter syndrome. We just don't feel qualified enough. We think like, who am I to do this and help Mm -hmm. other people? But, But it's just not true. It's and that's something I get over with every day. Oh, yeah. Fear based for sure. Well, I love that. Okay. To wrap up, Kara, is there anything you want to say to the listeners, the audience, all of our straight up paleo fam who um, miss you, who haven't heard from you in a bit? Like, what do you want to say to them? Well, just to everybody that listened to straight up paleo in general, thank you guys. I am bad sometimes at vocalizing my gratitude that I have for people and the experiences that I've had. So thank you. I like that was an awesome period of my life. And a lot of you guys are still in my life and still like talk to me on Instagram and all that kind of stuff and watch my YouTube videos. And I'm just very thankful for that experience and every single person that was involved with that podcast. And I'm just really excited to start producing more authentic content for everybody so you can see like who I am and what I'm doing and I just really hope I can provide some sort of value for you guys on this journey well happy to have you back Kara well I hope you stay stay above the rock for a bit I'm certainly (laughs) enjoying I love your new I love your content I feel like you came back so refreshed and like new woman so yeah I definitely feel that way well, thanks. I just need to, I think you do it too. The like social media detoxes mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think those are necessary in order to keep producing because mm-hmm. you just get so like drained yeah. from Instagram. I feel like in producing constant content, you need a break to just be a human Yeah. without that. And I think people get, they get really entrenched in the space and they don't realize that their best ideas will come when they give themselves space. You know, mm-hmm. when you take a step back, yep. it just inspiration comes to you. So gotta yep. recharge. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and updating all of us. It was a pleasure chatting with you, having you back on the show. Um, if people want to find more from you, where can they find you? I'm literally the same across all boards. So you can find my website, karahalderman.com, Instagram, karahalderman, and then YouTube as well. Just my name, Kara Halderman. I make videos once or twice, once to twice a week on YouTube. And my YouTube content's a little bit different than what I post on Instagram. It's mainly like actual scenes of my life and like what I'm eating and my morning routines and all that kind of fun stuff so I'm really loving YouTube right now I just want to live on there honestly but that's about it awesome love it thank you Kara thanks see ya thank you so much to Kara for coming on the podcast it was so much fun chatting with her again and catching up don't forget to head over to karahalderman.com just search Kara Halderman on YouTube to find her YouTube videos and find her on Instagram at Kara Halderman and tell her hey what's up you miss her you love her give her some love as usual if you enjoyed the episode please make sure to share it share it with family friends uber drivers all the people and I also love it when you guys share on social media and tag me tag the guest tag at wellness realness podcast and let us know that you're digging it 
Also, if you haven't already, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It means the world to me. It really helps me spread the word about the show. And if you're not already in our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe, make sure you head over to Facebook, search that, and join. That's going to be it for this episode. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day, an awesome week, and I will chat with you again next time. Bye.